thanks for tuning in from wherever you get your favourite podcasts. Now, in this episode, the African Safari Company embracing preventative measures to safeguard the health of guests and animal poaching is on the rise. Welcome to the World Nomads Podcast. We'll be keeping you up to date with travel alerts, information about coronavirus and sharing some uplifting news and views to inspire you and keep you smiling. Hi, it's Kim and Phil with you and very sad to hear that poachers have been so opportunistic, Phil, during COVID and lockdown with uh, incidents increasing and we'll hear more on that from African bush camps' Carl Peterson. Yeah, look, uh, India has witnessed a major spike in poaching during the lockdown period and according to the Wildlife Trade Monitoring Network Traffic, 88 poaching incidents were reported between March 23 and May 3. And look, there are running around 3,000 tigers in that entire country, so that is a very serious problem. In Uganda, lions, giraffe and even a silverback gorilla, can you believe that, um, are recent casualties of poaching, of poaching given the collapse of ecotourism there. And that's a really important point, you know, like tourism creates jobs and a lot of those jobs are in ecotourism and in protection of animals. So I know that we're going to talk about that in a minute. Yeah, we will. Uh, and in Kenya last month, there was a win. Yay. A man was arrested for allegedly conspiring to sell 10 tonnes of elephant ivory and over 180 kilos or almost 400 pounds of rhino horn. And he'd been doing that for a few years between 2012 and 2019. Meantime, Singapore has crushed a stack of ivory from nearly 300 elephants as a way to, you know, deter the illegal trade. You're not going to get away with it. And finally, our travellers recently helped protect wildlife from poachers in the Serengeti by making a micro donation when they bought travel insurance with us. A link, of course, in our show notes. Yeah, well done. Now, the planet not only needs to be safe for humans, Phil, but obviously for animals. Carl from African Bush Camps touches on increased efforts to address poachers and how we can enjoy safaris during COVID, which, like all companies, were blindsided by the virus. Firstly, we had no idea, you know, this has been a sort of a gradual, a gradual uh, exercise for us in terms of learning. And I think in terms of, of us as a business, we actually decided quite early on in March that we could see that this thing was, was spreading quite fast, it would have quite a severe impact, and we decided to lock down our camps, so to speak. We, we put in what we call a curler position. Uh, where we'd still have all our staff reporting into camp and uh, for duty, um, but effectively we weren't able to welcome guests because borders, as of the 26th of March, started to close in the region. And that, of course, uh, meant that we weren't able to host any guests. So what we had to do is is take a bit of, uh, you know, perseverance on the situation and actually take a view on how long this may continue. And we, we took the initial view that we would be in this curl-up position while still maintaining the camps until August. And, you know, we've been supported immensely by all our staff members who have continued to man the camps in the absence of guests and maintain them. Because, of course, you can imagine with no guests coming into into the camps, you know, there's still uh, uh, quite a bit of maintenance to do this. I think we've all been grateful that despite, you know, the absence of guests, that we've still been able to run the ship, continue mostly with our business in terms of our head office and Cape Town, which is where I'm based, and continuing our efforts to publicise, obviously, the impact of of, uh, guests not being in camp, and, of course, on preparing ourselves for the return of guests. 
Um, so it's, it's been quite a reflective time. I think uh, we've all been humbled by the experience. We've all realized, you know, how important tourism is to us and the adverse effects it can have when tourists don't arrive into our, into our properties. Well, we have seen, and it was incredible within a few weeks, just how small the margins are for many, for many companies, a lot haven't survived it's certainly um you know we've we've all had to take reduced time reduced pay as, as a business so we've all had to adjust our our lifestyles and our living accordingly because of course especially in country like in zimbabwe and botswana it's people's livelihoods um, and without the guaranteed income you know it could have adverse effects on on them and then of course the company has had uh, enough to you know actually gear itself um for the time of not expecting uh, guests in camp. Because although we haven't had any guests in camp, um, we have a lot of bookings on our forward book and, and that is, that's enabled us to you know, uh, recut our cloth accordingly and uh, manage the lighter incomes that we wouldn't normally be getting. But in terms of the region, the impact has been devastating in terms of, um, in the bigger picture, in terms of local communities, the impact on wildlife, um, the halt of tourism to our national parks, and, you know, and how that has, has had drastic in, impact on our foundation, our African Bush Camps Foundation, which is a non-profit organization, an NGO that we run and manage. And a lot of the projects have been put on hold. So it's, it's really opened our eyes to, you know, how important tourism is to keep our wheel turning. And, and that goes as far as also to anti-poaching efforts that we run and manage in the various national parks. And we have a, a great project um, near our Boomy Hills Lodge in Lake Kariba, where we actually fund the anti-poaching unit. And if we take them as an example, um, poaching has increased during this time of lockdown and our efforts have had to be, have to been increased to address the, uh, the poachers who are obviously opportunistic and of course in a situation where they have to look after their own livelihoods. So it's, it's actually really made us reflect that, you know, the, the link between tourism and conservation and how important tourism is to conservation. Absolutely. And so sad to, to hear of, of the increased poaching during um, this pandemic, particularly when you look at how the planet, um, you know, including the animals, have reacted to us being in lockdown. You know, they've thrived. They've totally loved it. You know, even things <laughs> yes. you know, from turtles <laughs> to dolphins to horses and deers and all sorts of animals wandering into, into cities, populated areas. Well, it's quite not, funny. Yeah. I, I, I just have to tell you a story. Um, on, on the back of that, they, you know, we've had animals, of course, within the absence of, of tourists. The lions um, have used some of our public areas as, as a, a, you know, areas to have a rest in and during the heat of the day and, and, and continue on their hunt. So we've had a lot of instances where we've had animals actually in camp because, of course, in the absence of humans, they, they felt very comfortable to wander through and our camps are in completely wild areas. You know, that's great to hear because I was going to ask you, had you noticed any increased activity or changes in behaviour with the animals? So that's that's one example. Yeah, that's 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 one example. Um, look, it's it's twofold. You know, we have a responsibility to the um, to the national parks. You know, we have our camps and those wildlife areas to also monitor uh, monitor the game. And uh, where we have had a prevalence of uh, poaching activity, we've actually noticed the animals have also been a little more skittish. So it is a real threat, and it's a it's a it's a real and live danger that we face in terms of, of keeping you know being custodians of these wildlife areas. It's it's a very real situation that we have to deal with, and and I think 
in, in regards to that, you know, as much as the animals are roaming free and, you know, without any, uh, any human intervention or humans walking around, there is, a, there is a much more serious side to it. And I think it's the human, you know, it's a human wildlife conflict, um, especially in the borders of our national parks that we have to, we have to take responsibility for. And I think the, the increase of poaching is where it's most prevalent. So it's, it's something that, um, you know, we run, uh, we, we do it through funding, through our fundraising efforts, as well as our own foundation. And it's where we felt the most pressure in terms of our responsibility to wildlife. You know, it's without the wildlife in these national parks, we have no tourism. And these, these tourism and conservation really does go hand in hand. I, I can't think of another sector that ha- would have been destroyed, probably not the right word, but, you know, hammered as hard as the travel sector from COVID. Would you, would you agree? Yeah, it's, it's been absolutely devastating on our region. You know, we have minimal resources to support the programs. Um, and I'm talking, I'm talking here really about the communities as well. Um, you know, there's a number of communities that are very much dependent on, on support through tourism. And that goes through to the people that work in the camps, um, to, uh, to the management of, of the national parks. It, it resonates right through the community. And if I can just give you an indication, you know, 10% of Zimbabwe's GDP is, is derived from uh, tourism receipts. Um, and a lot of the tourism projects that run in, uh, sorry, a lot of national parks and um, private entities that run camps um, support a number of communities on the periphery of the national parks as well. We, through our African Bush Camps Foundation, um, support a lot, of, a lot of community initiatives in the town of Dete, which is very close to Wangi. That is, you know, through vegetable uh, garden projects in terms of supporting the camps of food to uh, making um, uh, small um, souvenirs and uh, basketware, you know, that, that people can buy while in camp. So it, it goes quite, quite deep into the community in terms of supporting other industries uh, that are dependent on us as a business. And of course, in the absence of no business, aside from the fact that uh, tourism and, and the, the contribution it makes financially to, uh, to conservation, it's also the communities that have really suffered and I think that's where it's been really highlighted for us. We've, we had about 42 projects uh, that we earmarked to run in 2020 through our African Bush Camps Foundation. And, um, you know, unfortunately, they all had to be put on hold. And some of those projects were orientated around building extensions to schools. We, we support a number of schools as well um, near our, our camp, Boomi, Boomi Hills. There's a school that we support there um, and small clinics. And, you know, a lot of those had to be put on hold um, because of the fact that we weren't able to financially uh, contribute in an active way. I'm, I'm pleased to say that through, through some of the funding, we've made, managed to get some of those projects back online. And we just completed some new uh, ablution blocks for our, our school near Boomy Hills. So the, there, is, uh, there is a sign that, you know, we, uh, we are getting some, some funding through. But uh, as a region, it's devastating because I think tourism in Africa is so important in terms of the, of the bigger economies. Um, and of course, it employs a number of people, and that's especially true of the likes of uh, South Africa as well. And I think this is where it's really opened up people's eyes. So while these uh, lockdown measures and border closures are in place, you know, the tourism industry is really ground to a halt. There is some activity. Uh, we are, um, I should say, Botswana and Zimbabwe have been proactive in terms of uh, trying to encourage local tourism. So there is a number of domestic campaigns uh, going on in both Botswana and Zimbabwe to encourage locals to travel. But this is, of course, is in very limited amounts and certainly nowhere near the 
the numbers of receipts we garner from international guests. Let's look at the future of travel. When we were doing our destination episodes prior to the pandemic, Botswana, Zimbabwe, Ethiopia, Rwanda, they were on everyone's lips. You know, there were places that that people, countries that people wanted to visit. So how do you think the future of travel in Africa will look like and what will you be expecting from travellers? You know, we're quite realistic that the the precautions brought about by COVID-19 is not going to pass us anytime soon. You know, what's important for us as a tourism entity is integrating those regulations into a new normal. Not just the way we run our camps and our protocols associated with welcoming guests and, of course, um, adhering to social distancing, but it's also going to be how air travel will will change. You know, the likelihood is that there'll be fewer routes operating and, of course, uh, the, the fact that prices may escalate as well. If there's anything, it's going to play at least to our experience that we offer at a lot of our safari camps. The fact that you are at least out in the open, um, in the wild, you're not confined to uh, small areas or inside. The fact that our camps are small and private and we limit the number of guests in our game vehicles, for example, six people, so there is social distancing already exercised in our vehicles. The fact that, you know, our our camps have uh, large public areas that are outside and not inside, um, I think that that will play to, or at least appeal to people who are concerned about those factors. But uh, in terms of of future travel, there's no doubt um, there's going to be a significant downturn in numbers. But we do know that there is a lot of African fanatics out there and people that are very passionate about Africa that really have a desire. And if there's one learning we've taken over this, it's enabled people to dream again. You know, a lot of people who've been sitting at home Um, dreaming about traveling again. And let's face it, we've all been in that situation. We've had a little more time perhaps on our hands. We haven't been so busy in our social lives. We've seen an uptick in terms of interest in, in, for example, the work we're doing in Africa, in terms of the experiences that we offer in Africa. Because what it does do, and being a father of four myself, being at home with my family, I've been able to connect with them in a different way. And it's, it's enabled me to dream and and imagine going places with them as a family and having new experiences. And we've seen a lot of people be very attracted through our digital presence by the dreaming and uh, the interest in terms of the experiences that we offer. But can you guarantee me that when I'm outside, those lines won't come around? <laughs> like, oh, it's great. Yeah. It's great. You know, I'm loving the fact that they're, <laughs> they're relaxed. But <laughs> The, the, great, the great thing is we've travelled to Africa, with, with especially going out in the wild, there's no guarantees. One, one minute have be a face of a line and, you know, and you'll be in the vehicle and there it'll be just 20 or 30 metres away and, and, the, and the next minute you have an elephant on the other side of the vehicle. You know, and Africa never ceases to, to a, a surprise or amaze people. But no, there's no guarantees, unfortunately. Kim. You, uh, <laughs> that's part of the experience uh, and that's part of the excitement, you know. Uh, not, not knowing what you'll see on a game drive, not knowing what to expect. And I think that's one of the remarkable uh, adventures that, that really uh, immerses people when they come to Africa. You know, it's, it's so, uh, so immersive in terms of you get attacked in the senses of from, you know, what you see, what you smell, what you feel, what you touch, what you learn from our guides. Our guides are, are like walking encyclopedias. They, yeah. they, they come from the areas where, where, where we have our camps that they're, they're, they're not jetted in from some other location. These guys have grown up in this environment. So they really bring it alive. 
Thanks for that, Carl. And Carl, obviously working from home like all of us, we're still in the wardrobe. <laughs> kids yep. running around in the background there. You can read all about the guides and their history on the African Bush Camps website, which will be in show notes, including other links in our resources section on poaching, uh, including that project you spoke about earlier, the World Nomads customers um, funding that um, project in the Serengeti. To get in touch with us, and we'd love it if you did, email podcast at worldnomads.com and don't forget to share and subscribe to the World Nomads Travel Podcast from wherever you download your pods. And in the next episode, we celebrate an amazing nomad who's reached her goal of completing the 100 Summits Climbs in Japan. Spoiler alert. (laughs) Bye. (laughs) Bye. The World Nomads Podcast. Explore your boundaries.